Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E.com. Hey, everybody. Quick note before we get started here. We are gearing up for our next season of brand new shows coming in mid-April. We've got so many good stories planned for you, and we need your help with a couple of things. First, we're doing a parenting advice show with a clown, like a real-life clown. So send us any parenting question at all, and, and he will try to answer it for you. Just drop us an email at hello at longestshortesttime.com with the subject clown. Also, we are bringing our signature event, Speed Dating for Mom Friends, to Chicago. That'll be on April 9th. I'm going to be there. We're going to have mimosas. We're going to have snacks. You'll get a morning away from your kids. What more could you want, right? Tickets are going fast, so get them now at longestshortesttime.com under events. While we're preparing for that event and for the new season, we've pulled one of our favorite episodes for you today from the archives. Hope you enjoy. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. A year ago, I went out to the Bay Area. I was there to do a speed dating for mom friends event and to do a live interview with Roman Mars. You know, he hosts the great podcast 99% Invisible. After that show, Roman and I stuck around to talk to the audience. And at the very end, this woman came up to me and introduced herself. Hi, I'm Sapna McCarthy. Sapna told me about something that had happened recently with her four-year-old daughter. I grabbed her nose, you know, you do with kids. I got your nose, I got your nose. And then I told her, I'm going to keep your nose. I'm going to put it on my face and you can have my nose. And she was like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. And I said, why not? And she said, because then if I have your nose, then I have to be big like you. And then you have my nose, you have to be small like me. And, and your nose is brown, so I'll have to be brown and, and you'll have to be white. Sapna is Indian. Her husband is a pale white dude from England. This whole nose-swapping thing got me thinking about how my daughter is mixed, too. I'm a freckly red-headed Russian Jew. My husband's parents are from El Salvador and Mexico. I want my daughter to identify as a Latina Jew, and I want her to think of herself equally as both. 
But do I even have a say in that? Today on the show, we've got two stories. They're both about kids telling their moms they don't get what it means to be ethnically mixed. The first is from a mom's perspective. That's Sapna. The second is from the kid's point of view. Okay, so remember, when we left off with Sapna, her daughter Reina was schooling her on why swapping noses is dangerous. She was like, your nose is brown, so I'll have to be brown, and and you'll have to be white. I asked her, I said, is that how it works? And she said, yeah, that's how noses work. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, did it seem like that was a problem for her? Um, I... Like, I think it was a little bit of a problem for her. I think she she didn't want to be brown. She didn't want to be me. And I think, you know, that's okay. She shouldn't want to be me. But is that, that was the message I got. And, and did you talk about it at all? <laughs> I, I tried, but then, you know, she's four. So. <laughs> well, so, but what did it mean to you? Like, your interpretation. Yeah, um, it was... It was pretty shocking. I think my interpretation is that she's already getting the message that it's better to be white. And and it, it it's it kind of it hurts me because I remember being her age and and kids making fun of my skin color. Um I grew up in New York and and when I was in preschool, I remember there were a couple little girls that used to call me poo-poo skin. Mm. And and that was when I realized, when I was about three or four, that, um, you know, people liked white skin better. And, and I wonder, I was hoping that by now that message wouldn't still be out there, but clearly it kind of is. And are you from India? No, um, I was born in the U.S. I'm, I'm totally American. So are you, are you first generation? Yeah, both my parents are from Bombay. What was the message you got from them growing up about skin color? That's interesting. So fairer is better is the message I got from them. But then I also got the message that being Indian is something to be really proud of. So it was almost two conflicting messages. Hmm. How how was that expressed to you, both of those things? So don't go out in the sun, cover up. Oh, you got so dark. Ugh. You know, like especially in the summertime when I'd be at the pool all day and I'd come home really bronzed. I'd get comments about my skin color and how, it, you know, if we saw another little girl or little boy and they were fair, the parents were always going on saying, oh, look how lovely and fair and beautiful this kid is. Um and I was actually quite fair, so I often got that comment, especially in the wintertime, like, oh, look, you're so fair, it's so pretty. But then, you know, the other message, um, that being Indian is something to be proud of, you know, was expressed to me in, like, look at our food, it's so healthy, and it's so flavorful, and, and you know, when you go to your friends' houses their vegetables are boiled and no wonder their kids don't eat vegetables because they don't taste very good. Mm. You know, Indian people know how to make vegetables. Um, or, you know, look at your pretty clothes when we would dress up in, in traditional outfits and look how beautiful they are and they're not so plain. 
compared to your American clothes. And um, how have your parents reacted to your daughter being fair? Oh, they think she's gorgeous. Do they say things to you? They say things to each other. I think um, they've gotten better at reading my body language and my expression when they say things to me. And so they don't. But I often hear my mom talking to her friends or to to her husband. Um, my father passed away, so she's remarried. And, and they make comments on, you know, look how fair they are. They're so they're so white. Sapna has another daughter, a baby named Corrine. Um we say gori. Gori means fair and, and white also. So I hear that word come up a lot when they're talking about my daughter. You know, ironically, she looks almost exactly like I did when I was her age. She's just a couple shades lighter. And so when we're out together, we both have the same head of crazy curly hair. We both have big brown eyes. Um she has a mini version of my nose, although it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look like my nose does now, but it looks like my nose did at her age. And she's skinny like I was. And um, when we go out together, some people notice all of that. They notice all the similarities. And other people are like, oh, are you the nanny? <laughs> like, <laughs> because I'm a couple shades darker than her. Wow. We had we had a whole show about that about being mistaken for the nanny. I know that's what that's what attracted me to your podcast to begin oh, with. Oh, oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, you know it's funny. Like, um, so my husband and I have have different skin tones, and my daughter's is somewhere in between, and she likes to hold her arm up in between ours and say that hers is a mix. Do you have any of that going on at home? Um, yeah, I do. Um, my daughter, she does the same thing. She'll often hold her arm up next to mine and say, Mommy, look, you're brown and I'm white. And then she'll hold her arm up next to my husband's and she'll say, Look, Daddy, you're pink. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> she, so she's like, she's like, I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> so she... <laughs> Yeah, because my husband is really, really fair. And so she looks more kind of olive-toned or Italian. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and what, is it, what does it mean to you that she identifies as white? It means I have some work to do. Um, and I'm not quite sure how to do it. I don't want to tell her who she is or put her in a box. At the same time, I want her to appreciate her heritage on both sides. And so my husband and I have often talked about, well, what's the right age to even start bringing it up? Yeah, it's like, I, I think about it all the time, too, because um, especially when, so like when you're a person who's of mixed ethnicity, but you don't look necessarily like that ethnicity. Um, how would you, how would that be expressed? Like, how would you express that as a person? Like, because I know that like my husband, since he doesn't look Latino, when people find out that he is, usually their first reaction is no, you're not. 
where you're not really like you're not real come on you're not really latino and i think it's just because he's not dark and doesn't have a mustache or something you know like um and then if he comes insulting because there are people telling you you're not what you are <laughs> um and i want her like i want my daughter to be able to be like i'm a latina jew and to like have a like just like know what that means <laughs> I don't even know what it means but when why is this even important to me but um I don't know it's just like a part of it's like it's like a big part of who you are you know and um I just wonder too like for you imagine you know like 15 years down the line how do you want her to identify ethnically when she grows up? I I don't mind. I don't I don't know that I want her to identify ethnically. Um I think growing up Indian in the US at first made me feel really different and kind of an outsider. It made it hard for me to feel like I could relate to other people. And then I swung completely the opposite way and I totally identified with Indians and was like president of various clubs and put on talent shows in college and, um, and you know, showed people Indian song and dance. And, and now it's just a culture that I really relate to and resonate with, but I, I don't, I'm really struggling actually. I'm really struggling with how do I, how do I help her with that? I don't know. Sapna thinks eventually she'll take her kids to visit England, where her husband is from, and to India, where her family is from. She'll cook Indian food with them. But other than that, she's not sure. So we want to know, what are your ideas? What do you do with your kids to help give them a sense of where they come from? Leave your thoughts at longestshortesttime.com in the comments for this episode. That's episode 59. Coming up, a kid who knows where she comes from, and she confronts her mom about it, in song. Stay with us. <laughs> Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by TeenCounseling.com. TeenCounseling.com connects your 13 to 19-year-old with a licensed professional counselor right where they spend most of their time, on their smartphones. The process starts by completing a short questionnaire to help them understand your relationship with your teen and their specific needs. You'll then be matched with a skilled therapist in TeenCounseling.com's network of specialists who will be available to start communicating within 24 hours. You'll have the opportunity to review their credentials and directly communicate with the counselor to make sure it's a good fit. Then, once you approve, the counselor and your teen will begin communicating directly. Teen Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so it's easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also more affordable than traditional counseling, and financial aid's available. So visit teencounseling.com slash longshort and help your teen take... There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Charge of their mental health with help from an experienced professional. Listeners to The Longest Shortest Time can get 10% off their first month at teencounseling.com slash longshort. <laughs> We're back. So with the nose swapping thing, Sapna's daughter was basically saying, this is how the world works, mom. You know, that this is how skin color works. You just don't get it. So imagine if we could look into the future and, and talk to Sapna's little girl at age 30, and, and she could tell us exactly what she was thinking back when she was a kid. That would be amazing, right? Well, in our next story, we get to do that. Not literally with Sapna's daughter, of course, but with someone else who's ethnically mixed. My name is Kiria Traber, and I'm a theater artist in New York. Kiria's mom is white, her dad's black. Her parents were really young when they had her, and her dad wasn't very involved. Kiria is close with him now, but back when she was little, he lived in Hawaii, so she didn't see him much. And um, my mom was a single mom, and I was an only child, and so one of the tricks that she came up with to keep me entertained was to give me a, a cassette tape recorder. Kiria's mom recently sent her the cassette that she used to record on. Um, so between the ages of four and six, Kiria recorded and re-recorded herself over and over again on this one 90-minute tape. I've actually got it right here in front of me. Um, there's a self-portrait on the back of the case, scribbled in pencil with um, big frizzy hair and hearts drawn all over the clothes. The spine says, Kiria knows it all. All is in all capital letters. Um, and then side one is labeled Kiria colon issues and answers, 88. And side two uh, says Kiria speaks out, 88. So on this tape, um, Kiria recorded all the typical things that kids record. So She'd start stories. The universe caught on fire. So then we could tell mother and daddy. And quickly end them. And then everybody was sad. And that's the end of the story. She'd get her mom to introduce her made-up talk show. And now it's Dr. Kiria Traber with Box Talk. Go ahead. You know, I don't think I want to do this. And then one day, when Kiria was six years old, she got out the tape recorder and sat her mom down in the living room. You can kind of hear her in the background encouraging me to start. Go. Hey, mama. Hey, mama. It's a black thing. She won't understand because she ain't black. She's a white. She only knows the white thing. The white thing. I say, Mama. And um, I, 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 f- I freestyled a rap about race to my mom. My mama say, you came out of my stomach, so I must know. I must know what the black thing is. And I say, no, Mama, you gotta listen to me. You know, I say, it's a black thing. You know, only black people can understand. That's not my exact words, but that's my my meaning. And what was your understanding of it? 
Well, um, if you listen to this song, it seems like I have an understanding of it being cool, of it being um, valuable, of it being special. Because, Mama, it's a black thing. Hey, Mama, it's a black thing. You gotta listen to me. She never will listen. Don't plug your ears. Don't cover your eyes. Hey, Mama, hey, Mama, it's a black thing. Hey, Mama, hey, Mama, it's a black thing. It's also directed at your mom. Did, did you did it feel aggressive at the time? I wouldn't say aggressive. Um, I would say proud. I would say um, I mean, maybe defiant, but um, I wasn't yelling. You know, I was asserting myself, and so I guess that's that's kind of what I mean about blackness. If if nothing else, I think I understood it as individual. Like this is you know. All that's all our journey as children, right, is to separate ourselves from our parents and find our own individuality. And I guess mine started with being black. And I say, Mama, you don't know what? It's a black thing. Why did you feel the need to sing that to her? Well, I remember at the time um, I was in elementary school and, um, you know, this is like the late 80s, early 90s in Berkeley, California, Race and being positive about diversity is certainly part of the culture. And so at my school, I know there was white kids, black kids, and mixed kids. And I had a, f- a couple of friends that were also mixed, like me. And we called ourselves that. And we, were, and we would talk about it a lot um, at five or six. You know, we're mixed, we're mixed. And so I guess... That's the thing is that I'm surprised to hear myself saying it's a black thing, not it's a mixed thing. I was so generally in my memory, so proudly mixed. Did you did you identify as more black than white? It's a really complicated question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it changed, you know, it's it's changed a lot in my life. Um, Yeah. And so like your blackness came from your dad who wasn't in your life right. and and your mom was right um but you look different from her yeah and so so tell me about how your identity your ethnic identity has changed over time yeah well um you know early on i definitely knew that i was different than the majority of people and definitely from the black girls and they had these beautiful braids that their parents did and um they were always really perfectly kept, and they had a lot of my beads in their braids. My mom didn't know how to do that, and my hair was actually often really, often really messy. And um, and then, so there's this one particular thing that happened in in my um, preschool uh, days that I remember. Um, another mother came to pick up her daughter, and we were not friends. My this this daughter, um, so I didn't know this girl well or her mother. The mom told me to come over to her. And she undid the braids that my mom had done in my hair and redid them. She greased them up with coconut oil and retwisted my hair and and then left um, from my memory. She didn't stay to talk to my mom and say, this is what I did or this is why I did it. But then my mom was upset after and I was, I think I felt ashamed. I was like I had done something wrong. 
But um, I talked to my mom, actually, and she said something that blew my mind. Um, She also was getting a lot of comments from adults, um, and especially black women. She understood that they were trying to help, that, that actually she felt like there was a community of people who were raising black children and that she was a part of that and she had support. And the conversation, she said, felt productive, even if they were sometimes had some judgment in them. Um, And then I moved away around the age of seven. We moved to a town in Northern California, and I was the only black kid. And I felt really different. And but I was like, well, I'm I don't I don't have a dad, so I'm I'm not black like my dad. I'm. I'm like my mom. I'm, and I, I couldn't say I was white because my skin is brown and my hair is different. But I, I definitely wasn't black um, at that point in my life to myself. Kyria says she'd watch TV specials about Halle Berry and Alicia Keys because they also had black fathers and white mothers. But they made her mad because they identified as black with mixed heritage. Kyria wanted them to identify as mixed, like her. Even being mixed was hard where she lived. So I was in middle school, and a new girl came into the class. And um, she had never really, I don't think, talked to a Black person. um, But she had heard her family talking about them in very disparaging ways, um, very racist ways. So she was sitting next to me in band class. And I remember she looked at me, and she got so flushed. She was blushing so bright red. And we introduced ourselves and she said, um, do you have any black in you? And I, like, I laughed. I was like, yeah. (laughs) And she said, oh. And then she said, my dad's a racist, but I would never let him be racist to you, though. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't know what to say. I think I said, thanks. (laughs) And actually, we we ended up becoming best friends, um, and her parents ended up really being very kind to me. Um, but I always knew secretly. We never talked about it, um, but I always knew wow, secretly. you knew he was secretly a racist. Yeah. Mm. Um, but she and I, um, like I said, we became best friends, and so we had a lot of learning together. Um, you know, she asked me some questions that were pretty offensive if you know you think about it now but we were kids and so I instead of taking offense I answered them and um there was something else actually it's not immediately related but I I think it's really um interesting you know you asked me about whether or not I identified you know more as black or as white or mixed and and how complicated that was by my dad not being present um my grandfather was present um at an early age I remember him um, your your dad's dad? My dad's dad, yeah, um, hmm. who is black. And and he was um, he was a complicated man. He actually lived on the street, um, so he didn't have a home. Um, but he would come by our house, my mother and I, when I was little, uh, sometimes to wash up, or um, and we would go see him where he hung out on the street. So I had a relationship with him, and he was a very—he wasn't— um, he was kind of withdrawn, and he was very formidable. He was very um, tall, and 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 had a, like a 
a protective kind of defense around him all the time. But I knew somehow, I knew I was like, this person is important and they care about me. And and his name was Benjamin. And I was like, he's he's a Benjamin. I have a Benjamin. I don't know what a Benjamin is, but I have one. And he didn't look like me, just like my mom didn't look like me. But I think it's probably safe to say that my understanding of blackness started with him. As Kyria got older, her understanding of blackness, of her own blackness, changed. She'll tell us how in just a minute. Don't go away. We're back with Kyria Traber. Kyria says that these days she doesn't identify as mixed anymore. She thinks of herself as Black with mixed heritage, just like Alicia Keys and Halle Berry. You know, I'm sure you're well aware that, you know, we're having a moment of heightened conflict in this country around uh, the value of Black life. And, um, you know, we have a really ugly and I would say utterly unresolved history of racism in this country. Um, And I think the way forward is to be open and have constant discourse about it. So when I identify as Black, I'm identifying with um, that desire for openness. I'm identifying with a very um, honest connection to my history as someone who's from a uh, slave legacy. Um, I'm identifying with people who are struggling right now um, some of whom are my students or my best friends or my extended family um, in terms of what's pressing, in terms of the safety of my peers and my community, in terms of understanding my own experience, being Black is the most relevant. Was there a part of you that you felt like your mom did get? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think other than my Black identity, there was a sense that and I, because I feel this way now, that that my mom is the person I can go to to say, oh, "Can you believe this happened?" Or like, you know what I'm. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home: to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And she's the one, no matter what, who's going to be like, yeah, totally. But then there's this this thing, this, this giant thing that that does make me really different. And does she get it? Like, if you need to talk to her about, um, like, race stuff um, in your life, does she get that? Yeah, she does. She does. And, and um, not without, you know, some work. As I, as I, you know, in my adulthood came to understand my identity in much more nuanced ways, then I had to share that with her if I wanted her to understand. And, and she was very open to it. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of um, moments when our country is having racial conflicts and I get to talk about it with my mom um, in a way, I guess it can be really cathartic, you know, because 
Because being black in America can be really painful, and there's a lot of distance and a lot of difference and a lot of feeling misunderstood. And so to be able to talk to a, a, a person who identifies as white and say, can I explain this thing to you from my perspective and have them go, yeah, I'm totally listening, and then ultimately understand as best they can, it feels really good. It gives me a lot of hope. Being mixed, I think, is much more common now Mm -hmm. or I don't know if it's more is it more common I don't know if it's more common but it's maybe I'm I live in it I live in an area where it's very common um and my daughter appears white uh everyone assumes she is but really she's this like Latina Jew Mm -hmm. and um I want her to identify as as everything that she is right and I just I wonder if you have suggestions for me yeah. Do you and, and your husband talk about um, racial identity or cultural identity in the house? Yeah, a little bit because, you know, so she will say to me, there will be people with the same name uh-huh. and she'll say to me, you know, that's, um, you know, that's that's Sarah with the brown skin. Uh-huh. So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, um, how people, different people have different colors skin and she learned all about Martin Luther King this year and was really horrified by the story um, yeah. and of his death yes and but also she was just like he was the best he you know I wouldn't be in school yeah. with my friends if it wasn't for him and then he was shot with a gun for his good ideas oh. and like she's really <laughs> so like she's really like dealing with all of that um yeah i think that's great i think it's also you know obviously important to be aware of the the celebratory things as well as the tragic history <laughs> my uncle did something for me at some point um my my mom's brother so he's he's white um but he made a a corkboard wall in my room not not the whole wall but like just a you know he took part of the wall it was actually on my door and he made a corkboard and he covered it with images of black women Mm. And some of them were art paintings. Some of them were photographs of famous people, like maybe like Billie Holiday or something. And it was just always there. And it was awesome. And it was something I could always look at. And it wasn't anybody I knew, but it was references for... I know that I looked at those pictures, like if I thought about, what will I look like when I grow up? Because I wasn't going to look like my mom. And I think it could have been a source for questions. Like like I said, some of them were art, so they had other references to them that were interesting, like maybe a religious ceremony or or something I could ask questions about. Um, I love that. Yeah. I, me too. <laughs> oh, wow, you're giving, you're giving me ideas. Good. Kyria Traber is working on a play called Permitted. It's about Gladys Bentley, who was a real Black performer from the 1940s. She was threatened with prison time for rebelling against gender norms. That play premieres in New York this June. Find out all about it and Kyria's other projects at kyriatraber.com. That's K-I-R-Y-A-T-R-A-B-E-R. 
Now, Kyria and Sapna's stories are only two stories of people struggling with cultural identity. We know that a lot of you out there are struggling with this too. And we want to know how you've figured out your cultural identity, you know, how you've helped your kids with theirs, how you've explained your identity to your parents if you look different from them. There is so much to unpack here. So please help our listeners work through this stuff together. And help me. Clearly, I need help too. Go to longestshortesttime.com and leave your comment on this episode. That's episode 59. Make sure you don't miss the launch of our next season. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. This episode was produced in partnership with WNYC. I had production support on that from Joanna Solitaroff, Bill Moss, and Irene Trudell. And here at The Longest Shortest Time, many of our favorite stories come from you, our listeners, like Sapna and Kiria. If you want to be like them and tell your story on this podcast, pitch us. It can be anything about your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents. We love to hear things we've never heard before. So surprise us. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. That's the end of the story. And you're supposed to clap. Oh, yay! Hey, Airwolf listeners, this is Chris Gethard. I have a new show coming out. It's called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. Every week, I open the phone line to one anonymous caller, and I can't hang up first no matter what. From philosophical discussions... If you were to be eaten by an animal of your choice, which one would it be? And family secrets... The doctor that delivered me, I believe, was Ron Paul. To shocking confessions... I was doing what they call internet porn and shameless self-promotion. Because I think I am the greatest musician in the whole entire world. Oh, yeah! Listen on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find ten. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket, worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 
Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.